The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me. We are rolling through these position preview episodes. If you missed our quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end episodes, be sure to check those out. But this one is going to be looking at that offensive line. Of course, we have lots of written stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. We've got press conference coverage. We've got insider intel coverage. We've got uh, kind of the analytical big picture preview stories, kind of like this this very podcast. So be sure to check all of that out over at the MichiganInsider.com. This format is going to be the same as the rest. Strengths, question marks, position battles, if there are any uh, players and stats that we're watching closely. And then, of course, a bold prediction for the room. Steve, this offensive line, there's probably a lot of different directions you could go with the strength. Uh, What jumps out to me is they have eight linemen with power five starting experience. And they have more than 150 combined starts under their belt. I remember now part of this, right, is transfer portal. The extra year the NCAA has granted to some players for COVID. And and then part of it is just, you know, the culmination of, of having experienced linemen. I don't know if you'll ever see an offensive line at Michigan with 150 career starts again. Because I remember, I mean, it, back when I first started doing this job, you know, if, if an offensive line had more than 80 career starts within the group, that was considered, you know, this really experienced veteran proven offensive line. To have more than 150 is incredible. You know, obviously, Zach Zinter will be entering his fourth season as a starter. Trevor Keegan will be entering his third season as a full-time starter. Carson Barnhart has 16 starts under his belt. You know, Trent A. Jones has a few. Jeffrey Percy had the spot start. Giovanni Elhadi, uh, you know, they're probably a backup guard this season. He has three starts under his belt, just you know, popping in due to injury. And then, of course, the three transfer portal linemen, Drake Nugent, the two-year starter, Ladarius Henderson, he's been starting since he was 17 years old at Arizona State. I mean, he's he's very young for his grade. I think he's only 21 right now, but he has 30 career starts. And then Miles Hinton had two seasons as a starter at Stanford. And it, it you know, people I've talked to think that he was just starting to figure it out before that injury last season. And and so you know, you're talking about top to bottom. I mean, you can their second string is Big, strong, experienced. Because even they're, they're, you know, they have players who haven't necessarily started, but it's not like they're newbies or it's not like they're, you know, wide-eyed 18-year-old freshmen or anything. I mean, they have, you know, Greg Crippen, three years as a starter at IMG, third year at Michigan. And and then you're talking about someone like Reese Atterbury. He's been around for a while. Andrew Gentry, he's been around a while. So, yeah, this is a, to me, depth and experience are, are really what pop about this room. Of course, we'll talk about the pass blocking and the run blocking, who's, who's excellent at, at what throughout this episode. But to me, 
eh, boy, you know, not that not that Sharon Moore's job is easy, but he's got to be have a big smile on his face when he looks at you know the potential depth chart and he sees 151 career starts at the Power Five level across this room. I mean, I you, it, I'm assuming it's a Michigan record. That's a heavy lift to try to figure out if it officially is, but I know I've covered quote unquote experienced offensive lines that had like 70 to 80 starts between them. So to have 150 plus, that is a very unique opportunity for Michigan and, and probably makes this the most intense position battles in fall camp. We'll talk about those in a moment, but, but the plus side for Michigan really pretty much anyone they roll out there is going to be experienced and proven at the college level. Steve, your biggest strength for this offensive line? Uh, I think it's just how many strengths they have. That's their strength, right? I mean, when you hear, like, just think of it this way, I guess. Uh, When you hear Jim Harbaugh saying that Carson Barnhart's had the best camp on the offensive line, and you hear, like, Greg Crippen is pushing Drake Nugent at center, I mean, you're starting to get into, like, absurdity territory of how deep and talented this offensive line is, right? I mean, you're talking about Zach Zinter's getting first-round love. Drake Nugent was one of the top centers in the country last year, according to Pro Football Focus and and other outlets. Um, Trevor Keegan, be a three-year starter. You talk about Ladarius Henderson, how many starts he's made. Miles Hinton, just looking at the photos of him in camp, I mean, he just is massive. kind of looks like his dad, to be honest with you. Um, it's just, it's insane. Uh, and even a couple guys you didn't even mention, Raheem Anderson, Tristan Bounds. You're talking about, you know, even the incoming guys. Like like Evan Link, I think Michigan got a top 100 level player in Evan Link. And Amir Herring started the spring game. So it is. It's I, I don't even know where you'd begin uh, with the strength. I guess depth would it would really have to would be the easy choice just because of all those starts one thing i was kind of curious on i don't know what you think and you know this might not really fly but you, know, you think about like on the defensive line how teams like to rotate uh to to really you know over the course of a four quarter game uh, where yep. they can beat up an opposing offensive line. like do you almost wonder if michigan like could could michigan really be so talented and deep on the offensive line that that they could I mean, you're going to want your five, and I know that communication, there's a lot of nuances, but when you talk about how veteran this group is, how talented this group is, um, you ever wonder maybe they, you know, if that, that could be, could be some, something of a thing. Uh, I, I just, you know, I don't know. I'd be interested to ask Sharon more. Uh, and again, we know that these, these position battles that we're going to, that have been mentioned or will, will mention are going to continue. Uh, it's not as if the guys who lose out, are relegated to the bench for the rest of the season. Right. I mean, it's just, it's going to keep going and that's going to keep, it's going to keep the unit on their toes, not just on Saturdays, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Right. Right. Uh, right. Right. So, you know, that and that that's where it's like, it's, it's just, it's fascinating, but I guess now that I've talked it out a little bit, another, to me, another strength really is just the level of buy-in that Michigan has at the position. Uh how did no one transfer out? And that and that's right. I mean, like again, we're talking about them bringing in Drake Nugent, and now we're talking about Greg Crippen pushing Drake Nugent. To me, that means that Greg Crippen could have started for a lot of college football teams this year, a lot of them, right? 
or a guy like G.O.L. Hottie, who has played good football when he's been in, but is basically patiently now waiting his turn behind Trevor Keegan and and or Zach Zinter or whatever. It's just, yeah, the buy-in. Um, you know, when we first when I first started with 24-7 was around the time Michigan took that class in 2013 with Kyle Bosch and Chris Fox and uh, David Dawson and uh, those Patrick Kugler and stuff. And, you know, that class busted. And year after year, when we would preview, just talk about like how long it takes to really, and this was before the portal became a big thing, but how long it takes to rebuild an offensive line room, you know, through recruiting, because you're putting guys in position where they're playing way before they're ready. And then maybe not killing their confidence, but just, I don't know. It just was never good when you're playing guys before they're ready. Now, I mean, you talk about a full 180. I mean, Michigan is in such a position of luxury up front right now. And then you talk like even with recruiting where they have five top targets committed and, and really led for two other top 100 guys down the stretch, you know, but I think you, you, those kids got to look and say, <laughs> I, I'm sure Michigan's pumping out great offensive line, but there's a long path to playing time the way their roster is built right now. So it's just, it's the kind of continuity and um, culture that can, can permeate and can continue for Michigan for years to come with, with the depth and talent that they've built up front. You know, you just really, it's, it, you're almost in awe when you look down the roster and see the names and like outside of your walk-ons, like almost all of these scholarship offensive linemen could probably start for another power five program. Um, even the guys who really have barely seen the field for Michigan. So uh, yeah, there's just too many strengths to almost discuss. So, um, you know, it is, I just think their, their strength is that they're just, there's so many different strengths, depth, talent, experience. Yeah. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. Real quick on the rotation idea. I, I wouldn't, be stunned if Michigan tried it, but I've talked to former offensive linemen, former Michigan offensive linemen. I've talked to offensive line coaches about this. There's a reason teams don't do it. And I think, you know, part of it is just the the importance of the chemistry, the importance of you almost want to be have telepathic communication with the lineman next to you. And and so this group is experienced enough that that maybe it could be done, but but I'm th- Everyone I've ever t- talked to that knows offensive lines better than I do, they've all been like kind of like, nah, it's not, not, not the same, not the same as as the defense, and and not the same as you know like a wide receiver group could rotate, and you could have them all run go routes, and they just hop off the field and take a breather. But offensive line, I would not be surprised if they kept playing, you know, these other players. I think about. Uh, Ladarius Henderson or, or Trente Jones or Greg Crippen. I think if today, if the season started tomorrow, they might all be backups, but they are all in Michigan's eyes, NFL draft caliber players. You know, I think Crippen, I think would be assumed for another year, but yeah, I think, you know, Jim Nagy, the, the senior director of the senior bowl has basically said all seven of those upperclassmen proven multi-year starter offensive linemen for Michigan will be on the senior bowl watch list and they might all get invites even if they don't start. So that's, this is very much, I mean, I, I was kind of doing the thought experiment the other day. What would an offensive line of Ladarius Henderson, G 
Giovanni Elhadi, Greg Crippen, I would assume Reese Atterbury and uh, Trent A. Jones. What would that, where would that rank nationally among top, top offensive lines and probably top 20, maybe even top 15, that might be the second string. So yeah, just uh, a lot to be excited about if you're, if you're a Michigan fan, biggest question mark for me, I think there's something to be said for who will rise to the top. I, I imagine we'll talk about that in just a moment, but I actually was digging through some of the stats and, and just, I wasn't watching every game from last season, but, but the TCU game kind of underscored it to me is I, I think that I do want to see what this group has as a pass blocking unit. I, I think that they are the best in the country at, at run blocking. I fully expect that to continue this season. Uh, pass pro. I mean, Drake Nugent allowed four sacks last season. He allowed four sacks the season before, you know, at guard, uh, Zach Zinter, you know, in, in pro football focus, they do a pass blocking efficiency. So out of 245 guards last season, Zach Zinter was only 57th in pass blocking efficiency. That's kind of factoring pressures allowed, sacks allowed, all that. Trevor Keegan was 178th. So I think that there's, they, they combined, they allowed four sacks and 21 pressures last season, which is good. I don't think that it's, if, when they're on like preseason All-American list, it has a lot more to do with their run blocking than their pass pro. Um, and then at tackle, I think I think that they have a lot of good options there. I do think Ryan Hayes' pass protection ability last season went extremely underrated. I mean, he was 90th percentile um, in, in pass blocking last season. I, I think he only allowed one sack and like eight pressures, which is crazy at, a, at an offensive tackle position. So yeah, that's to me that's that's kind of the the one area that I'm curious about with this offensive line. I assume they'll be good at pass protection, but you know when we're talking about they have seven, eight NFL draft caliber players on their line, you do want to see them excel in pass protection, and and that's really important. We talked in the quarterback episode, and Steve, I think you mentioned it, especially you know if. Anything happens to J.J. McCarthy, this room does not have the same kind of depth that other quarterback rooms have. And so, yeah, I mean, priority number one for this offensive line is to to keep the, keep J.J. McCarthy, you know, in comfortable situations. I don't. He's not afraid of contact. You know, he's he's going to run the ball, but you don't want him to get blindsided. You don't want him to be kind of running for his life a little bit. You want him to be in control. And so, even if even if you are allowing pressure as the play develops, I think that's fine, but you can't have blow buys. You can't have, you know, just misses or whiffs. Um, so to me, that's, that's the big question mark. Cause I think last season they were, they were solid and good at pass pro, but I think that, you know, especially early on in the season. And then I felt like TCU and a little bit of Ohio state, you know, kind of got more pressure than I think number one offensive line in the country than you would expect. If, if that makes any sense. So that's, that's a on-field question mark. Obviously there's, there's other things that they're trying to sort out depth starter wise in fall camp. Steve, what's the biggest question mark you have about this offensive line heading into the season? Might be keeping, keeping that depth uh, afloat as far as like mentally, right? Uh, Cause we're expecting the, whatever five they send out to be elite. Uh, <clears throat> you know, that's why I wondered if, 
you know, that was another sort of reason why I wondered if, if, and again, when I say rotation, I'm not saying like, you know, drive to drive, they're like switching guys in and out type deal necessarily. Just like you said, that second unit could, would probably be a top, probably be what top two or three in the big 10, right. Or close. I think Uh, so. so, I think that's right. So, you know, it, it, and again, this is where you're, you're really having to grasp uh, at, you know, biggest question mark or whatever, just same as like I say, their strength is that they have so many strengths, meaning it's kind of hard to find a really big question mark. Uh, Cause when we talk about that buy-in, you know, you kind of think that won't be a problem. It's just, you know, you just got to try to kind of find different potential chinks in the armor, right? Injuries should not be a factor for this unit because if somebody gets hurt, the next guy up is again, a potential all conference candidate or close to it. So, you know, we talked about experience, talent. I mean, there's just, there really aren't many things to kind of question ab- about uh, the unit. I don't, th- I don't anticipate any kind of letdown uh, just because of the bigger stakes for the team this season. You know, they're coming off two straight Joe Moore awards. I just don't feel like that's enough. I don't feel like they're content. Right. So I don't, I don't think that's like a, a potential question. So uh, it might really just be keeping your younger players interested and engaged throughout the season because they there's no I mean they're going to lose a lot we're talking about how strong they are I mean they're going to lose a ton up front next year right so you want to make sure your second third teams are aware that their time is coming still you know uh, when Michigan should be in the midst of another pretty good season this year so you know I guess if again kind of reaching a little bit but if, if I did have a question mark it would be, you know, can you keep some of these younger guys totally engaged uh, throughout the season if they're not maybe seeing the field as much in in, in legit in legit opportunities uh, as maybe you you hope for when you're being recruited and uh, signed with the program. We're gonna hit a quick break. On the other side, we're gonna talk about the two, well, I guess three position battles that are still going on, as well as a player or staff that we're watching and make bold predictions for this room. We're talking more offensive line on the other side. This is the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, let's talk a little bit about these position battles. And and I think we both will agree, even if they aren't going to rotate like defensive linemen rotate, you know, Jim Harbaugh has talked about the Michigan method where he'll have a different starter in each game uh, until one emerges, which I like a lot, especially when you're not playing 
you know, elite, elite teams, you know, you, you have that opportunity and it's better to make decisions based off of game performance than practice performance. But I'll, I'll start, you know, I think the one that intrigues me is center because on the outside, I think that's a bit of a surprise, right? But it, you know, I remember talking to Greg Crippen before the Fiesta Bowl in December and asking him about Drake Nugent, asking him about, you know, Michigan adding Olu Oluwatimi and like what it means to wait his turn. And it was just funny. He didn't, he just kind of was very matter of fact, like, Hey, if you, if you don't want to compete, you need to go to a different program. And, and it's probably a little easier at offensive line because, you know, you can kind of emerge as a third, fourth year player and, and no one would think that you're behind. Right. So that's part of it. But he's also, you know, to his credit, six foot four, big dude, high IQ, high football IQ, very smart cerebral center, three-year starter at IMG. Not a lot of three-year starters at IMG, especially at a position like center. So I think in his mind, he's not looking at this as a surprise, and he's not viewing himself as an underdog. He's just going out there and, and trying to win a starting job, and, and he's going up against a guy who had not practiced before August. So you just due to injury, and I, it's not a knock on Drake Nugent, who was two-year starter, extremely successful run-blocking center at Stanford. But, you know, this this one's very fascinating to me. I, I'd kind of give the edge to Drake Nugent, but I do think Greg Crippen has earned a shot. The other main position battle, offensive tackle, does feel like Carson Barnhart has got an early lead at one of the spots. But, but Steve, looking at all these different position battles, which ones intrigue you the most, and do you have any predicted winners for these battles that's the thing it's it's hard to like like i said when when harbaugh is saying that carson barnhart's had the best camp i mean that just throws everything not saying that he's absolutely been more than capable of being that guy mentioned there for sure just it throws a lot of things into you know throws a, a little bit of a wrench into into the thinking i mean i still i mean i guess i i, I just default to the center situation being fascinating because I think we all assumed when Drake Nugent committed to Michigan that it was his job. Um, it really does sound like Greg Crippen is pushing. I don't think it's just lip service by the staff. So uh, I, I think that is because center is such an important position and because Nugent played at such a high level last year for Stanford. I just think it's, again, to be clear and anyone who's listened, I mean, we've always heard really good things about Greg Crippen also, um, and Raheem Anderson, for that matter. But, you know, the fact that Crippen's even in a position to potentially push is, to me, it's just, it's fascinating. Because, you know, you're talking about Drake Nugent being mentioned preseason, like Remington candidate, uh, and he's really having to work hard to keep the starting job. So uh, I'd go with that one. I, I, I mean, I guess I still default to Nugent just for that for that veteran presence uh, and I just don't know I, there's still a part of me that I, I why would why add him if Crippen was like that ready but again I think maybe Michigan's just taking the mentality I, their mentality has always been in the portal if we can find if we can improve our roster from top to bottom we'll take a guy even if it's at a position where we it may be viewed as like solid you know like I kind of think of the Dalen Baldwin 
addition a couple of years ago where they were they were fine at receiver. They didn't necessarily need one, but they he camped really, really well for them, like when they worked him out and stuff, and uh, he was worth the take. So, yeah, I'll just go with that one. But, yeah, I just it is. It's going to be super interesting to see, A, who takes these battles, and, B, to see if there is any fluctuation throughout the season. You know, maybe a guy like Ladarius Henderson will take just a little bit longer because he he was the only summer guy. Yeah, uh, he as far as the, tra- the summer, yeah. right? As far as the transfers up front, so maybe it's just maybe it's just a little bit of a new scheme, new learning curve for him, and maybe once he figures it out, then maybe he takes the job or, or takes it and runs with it, right? So, because um, again, yeah, you're talking at, at this point the guy who's started as many games as anybody on the line. So, yeah, that's where it, it is. It's it. What's fun about this unit, and I think in a lot of ways this team in general, is I think that you might see a decent amount of that throughout the season. I think you're going to the, the team is deep enough this year where you might see starting starters shift guys who start, maybe lose their job and then maybe they get it back. Right. I mean, it's just, it just feels like there are certain positions, uh, but the offensive line being one for sure that th- these battles are going to keep going and going. And it may, it, there may be some, shuffling and fluctuating throughout the season depending on who's who's bringing it during the week right and i i think one thing i will note is that you know a position like cornerback or you know number three wide receiver some of these other positions michigan you know really could use an answer i feel like michigan's going to get an answer at these they just have to pick which answer that they want in that game it does feel like you know every player we've listed I don't think Michigan would be concerned starting them against Ohio state or starting them against a Georgia or a Penn state. So that's probably good news for Michigan that, you know, the, the stakes, you know, the, the competitive waters are hotter, but I think the risk of getting the answer wrong on Michigan's end is lower. So you talked about the center battle. I'll talk a little bit about the tackle battle, you know, Carson Barnhart, Boy, we've been mentioning him on this podcast for like four years, I feel like, as someone who could become you know, the best of that, what, 2019 recruiting class, uh, that, that he could be the best one. And, and Keegan's been really successful. Trente Jones has been successful. But I do think Barnhart, I think it's clicked. I, I don't know if the increased competition led to it. I don't know if it was experience and, and just continuing to mold and refine his his body and his, his physical capabilities. but. I think that they view him as a potential first team, all big 10 offensive tackle this year. So he probably has answered the bell enough that he's probably getting the, the a, one of the starting jobs beyond that though. And I'll, I'll combine this with my player to watch. I of those other three, I think the one that intrigues me the most right now is, is miles Hinton. And Steve, you mentioned the pictures of, of him in fall camp. I mean, he is just, he's six seven, three hundred and forty pounds, but he doesn't look, you know, 340. There's some people, there's some players who will look 340, and it's like, yeah, you like you you probably to play 60 snaps in a game, you would probably need to be better off playing at like 320. He is not. I mean, he looks he just looks like he's ready to mow people over. You mentioned his dad, uh, fantastic offensive lineman in the NFL. I think. I think he like tops a lot of those lists that are like best NFL players ever who didn't make the hall of fame. I think he's Chris Hinton. I think he's often 
on those lists. But but what jumps out to me about Miles Hinton, in, in addition to his size, is talking or hearing you know interviews that that Drake Nugent did or or that that Miles did. It sounds like he was just starting to like the light had turned on for him because he he committed to Stanford. I mean, he at one point he was a five star recruit. He had offers everywhere. And he basically admitted that he wasn't necessarily thinking about football as his career choice. So he chose Stanford because he felt like that would give him a great opportunity to go pro in something else. And then it sounds like last year during some of those fall camp drills and and then obviously during the season, he kind of started seeing the, I don't want to speak for him. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but, but to paraphrase, you started seeing the joy and kind of the hard work, the development, the the grind that is football. Because it is a very like physically and mentally demanding sport. Players often like to say the the only day you're a hundred percent healthy is is the first twenty minutes of the first padded practice. You know, after that, you're you're banged up and bruised and and in pain pretty much every day. And and so I think I think it sounds like Miles kind of really started to figure that out. And there's always been a belief that once he figures that out, he has first round potential. I mean, he is that big, that good, that uh, physically gifted, but also, you know, immensely talented and, and kind of obviously very smart. I mean, I think his top three schools were Stanford, Northwestern, Michigan too. So I think he, he checks a lot of boxes. I don't know if he'll start. And I think one thing to note is he has more eligibility than the other three. I don't know if Michigan will factor that into their starting lineup. If, if the battle's close, you know, maybe you give it to the senior and, and whatnot, but he probably has the highest ceiling on the offensive line for me. So to me, that, that makes him kind of the X factor player to watch, because I think if he starts looking like a first round draft pick player, I mean, suddenly you're looking at four, three or four positions on the offensive line where they have, you know, one of the top, very fascinated by him. I would, I would say Ladarius Henderson, who, probably would have been drafted this spring had he just gone, right? He had accepted a, a Shrine Bowl invite. He was a top 20 transfer. He was young, but he had a lot of starts. You know, the, the people I've talked to seem to think that he would have been drafted this spring had he gone. Instead, he's coming to Michigan, and it, it stinks for him that he wasn't able to be around in the spring semester. But, you know, is he someone, as you mentioned, second half of the year? Can he start to be a factor? So, Steve, any stat or X-factor player that you're going to be watching closely over the next month to kind of uh, that, that could change the ceiling or, or the potential of this offensive line? I mentioned Gio Hadi earlier as a guy who, you know, we talk about Crippen pushing Drake Nugent. Uh, this is El Hadi's third season, and he's played, I believe he played in his freshman season enough to burn his red shirt, I want to say. Uh, what's preventing a guy, like, because when he's played, he's looked really good. What's preventing a guy like him from pushing a vet like Trevor Keegan, let's say? And I, I'm somebody, I feel like I'm higher on Trevor Keegan than most people are. But, you know, what's preventing somebody like Al Hadi recruiting, you know, great recruiting profile, wasn't, he was kind of a not a forgotten guy in the class, but but was a very easy recruiting win for Michigan, so it didn't get a lot of publicity necessarily. But was a top one hundred and fifty kid, like basically from the beginning, and again has has looked really good when got when given the opportunity. You know, I think, and there are a few other guys that could fit this same bill, uh, but but I think 
those types of guys are as important in a lot of ways as the incumbents because that's that's going to prevent I think any kind of like letdown uh from Michigan up front this season and when I say letdown I mean Michigan's offensive line is going to be very productive this year it's almost impossible to imagine they won't be uh but this is I mean they should be considered the heavy maybe heavy favorite to win the Joe Moore award again this year right just because of all the depth talent and experience that we've talked about yeah, I think every publication, national publication, has put Michigan I mean, as the number one offensive on, line. Yeah, on paper, I mean, it's it's hard to argue against them. Uh, so, but I, I do, I think it's, you know, guys like, yeah, like an Elhadi who's who's played a ton, uh, but not quite gotten that crack as the starter necessarily. Or even, yeah, or even a Jeff Percy, like guys who have seen, seen it. Or like, you know, you talk about Miles Hinton having a high ceiling. Uh, Andrew Gentry, similar deal. And and a guy who really this year is probably very important for him because last year he was really coming off of the the mission, you know, and you, so you get a whole year under his belt of of a full year of conditioning and and just learning the playbook, that type of thing. So I think I'm picking Al Hadi specifically, but again, there are a few other guys I think that could really be that guy. But I I, th- I think that's that second unit continually pushing from behind is is what could propel this line as a, as a whole to maybe even bigger heights than what they had last season, which again, hard to repeat. Don't get me wrong, but there are, you know, you mentioned some of the pass pro numbers earlier. There are things. Give me those second and third unit guys who are going to keep pushing that first string throughout the year. Maybe, and again, maybe a couple of these guys can really give somebody a run for their money. Uh, you know, which wouldn't even be a knock on the incumbent. It just ta- it just speaks to how deep and talented they are. So, you know, that's something that'll be interesting for me to watch that I'll be keeping an eye on. Because, you know, we talked. I mentioned earlier about how this season's going to be a lot, a lot different. I think we're going to be paying a lot more attention early in the season, like in these late third, fourth quarter parts, where maybe in a couple of these games early on, they're probably they've probably run away with it probably be paying a little bit more attention to the second unit this year uh, at a lot of positions, just because, like I said, I think there are instances where, you know, guys are going to be pushing starters for, and giving all of the, giving them a run for their money. You know, it might be for fans even to, to maybe not go change the channel uh, in the fourth quarter. If, if not that, I mean, I don't know if anybody does, but maybe for the people that do, uh, Probably not keep, the people listening to us. Right, true. But yeah. but keep it but just keep maybe keep a closer eye on how guys are are performing and playing later in games, you know, and, and realize that for a team this season that's looking to compete to win it all and and are being picked to be there be at least be there at the end, or if not, you know, close to being there at the end, whatever, these battles and these these this third this third, fourth quarter, what you'd normally call junk time in some of these non-conference games. Um, might end up being pretty important for Michigan when you get into October and November. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. All right, last thing, bold prediction for the room. I don't even know if this technically counts as bold. It was very hard. I, I you know, when I, I do the written stories, I always try to come up with a bold prediction. And my definition of bold is that a certain, like I, I think I go for like, or half half the people would argue with me when I say it. And then when I provide the research or the reasoning, uh, maybe that changes, but still, my bold prediction was 
five Michigan starters get drafted next spring. And that, that I believe that would be a modern record. If someone has access to more than 30 years ago, feel free to pass that on. But I, I believe that would be a modern NFL draft record at five offensive line starters dr- taken in one draft. When I break it down, it, it seems extremely doable. I think Zinter, as you mentioned, getting first round buzz. I think he's a lock. I think Keegan and Barnhart are two players who one more season of productive starter. They're probably getting drafted. You know, I think they can play their way into day two, but they're probably looking at day three. Um, you know, Ladarius Henderson, I think if he starts, he's getting drafted. Same with Miles Hinton. Same, I think, with Trent A. Jones. You know, I think the big question is, do NFL teams take a chance on Drake Nugent, who has been extremely productive at the college level, but he is six foot one, right? That's kind of, that's what he's hoping to disprove, or that's what he's hoping to to overcome. But he, even he's talked about it. You know, that's just always made him work harder. That's always made him ramp up his intensity more. Uh, they call him Diesel, or at least they did at Stanford, by the way. Drake Diesel Nugent. I like that. It's a good nickname for him. So uh, yeah, I know multiple players at Michigan have talked about, you know, they have their uh, little heart rate intensity trackers and, and, you know, they keep talking about, he loves the red zone whenever he's in the red, you know, that's when he thrives. You know, he loves, he loves to be pushed um, in that way, kind of to the brink of exhaustion. And that's, that's when he shines. So I think that NFL teams take a swing in all five. I do. Um, and if, if there's different players who start, you know, I think that, that it'll still be five. I think Michigan has five offensive linemen taken in next year's draft. Steve, do you have a bold prediction for this room this fall? I think all four guys, well, are there five guys? I'm trying to think, of how, really. The four main guys all start multiple games at tackle this year. I think those I think those battles, Jones, Hinton, Henderson. So Barnhart. the Michigan method plus a Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, sorry, I forgot about the Michigan. Yeah, I forgot about the Michigan method. Plus, yep, I, I think that'll be the case this season. I just think it's they're all just very close. Uh, that's what we've been told. That's what we expected. You know, particularly at the tackle spots. Again, like I've mentioned a few times now, the Crippen, Crippen pushing Nugent, maybe a mild surprise, but at tackle, I think we expected it to be uh, pretty close. But I'll say all four guys start multiple games for Michigan this season. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sure if people wanted to hear us say if they'll win the Joe Moore award, feel like some of that's just going to, I, I got to say, I think it's going to depend on if they beat Ohio state or not. Right. Cause I think even last year and the year before, you know, people were excited about the offensive line, but that the way they played against the Buckeyes, that is when the national media kind of started to be like, yes, award-winning offensive line, best offensive line in the country. So we'll see what they've got. I'm sure that they're at, you know, when they talk to, Porters and press conferences. I mean, they, they're they're a hungry group. They, they're a group that has really high expectations. And I think I don't know if Michigan did this by design, but adding three transfers to a pretty experienced offensive line, I think, has really just it perked everyone's ears up. You know, there's there's not a lot of complacency in the room. So we'll see what happens this fall. That's gonna do it for this episode. Be sure to stay tuned in the coming days for the defensive side of things. But we've already talked about the offensive position groups, defense. Uh, should be fun as well. Be sure to check out the written stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Lots of stuff, lots of fall camp stuff, lots of season preview stuff. You should be able to get your football fix over on our site these days. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.